and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. In Leviticus 18, verses 1 to 3, we see God's calling to Moses for Israel. I'm going to read that one from the NIV. Then the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. Here in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is calling us out of the world's darkness to follow his path and his ways. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16, he says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In verse 48, Jesus also said, Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And this verse comes from Deuteronomy 18, verse 13, refers to completeness. And the word perfect here carries the meaning of being mature and complete in our faith. And this is what we should be striving for. And this is what Jesus is calling us out to do. And in this Sermon on the Mount, we'll see a continuing contrast between what Jesus calls us to be and do as Christians compared to the rest of the world and their non-Christian standards. And the words of this sermon are very important for us to understand. For within it, we'll see Christian values, ethics, devotion, lifestyle, and attitudes. And several times Jesus said, You have heard it said what I say to you. Now before we go any further, let me give you the setting and context of Jesus' mountainside message. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 to 25, we will be looking at a passage that describes the actual beginning of the public ministry of Jesus. But it is also the preface to the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> and the spotlight is on the teaching ministry of our Savior as he walked on this earth. But before we get into our text, we need to see that nearly a year has passed between verses 11 and 12. Matthew doesn't tell us about the first year of Jesus' ministry after his time of temptation in the wilderness. But we know from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 19, to John chapter 4, verse 54, what took place. John chapter 1. Starting in John 1, verse 19, we find that the Jewish leadership sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem out into the desert to question John the Baptist about his identity. And it appears that in the midst of their questioning, Jesus has returned from his time of testing in the wilderness and is visiting the area where John was preaching and baptizing. Because as John is being questioned, he tells them in verses 26 and 27, there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, 
whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. Verse 29 tells us that the next day Jesus, or John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then in verse 31, he explained that the reason he came baptizing with water was that Jesus might be revealed to Israel. In verse 32, he tells of how he saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and landed on Jesus when he baptized him. In verses 35 and 36 tells us that the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked by, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And verse 37 tells us that when the disciples heard this, they followed Jesus and spent the entire day with him. Verse 39. In verses 40 to 42, after their time with Jesus, one of the two, who was Andrew, went and told his brother Simon Peter, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. This is the first fisher of men, human-wise. On the following day, verse 33, Jesus left Galilee and he found Philip, who in turn found Nathanael, verse 45, and they all followed Jesus. In chapter 2, verse 1 says, on the third day, now this refers to the third day from the last day, mentioned in chapter 1, verse 43, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. In verse 2, now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. In verse 3, and when the, they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And this led to his first miracle, turning water into wine. And after this, verse 12, Jesus went down to Capernaum with his mother, brothers, and disciples for a few days. In verses 13 to 16, Fast forwards to a time near Passover where Jesus cleared the temple in Jerusalem. In chapter 3, verses 3 to 21, Jesus witnesses to Nicodemus. And verse 22 says, After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized people. Now the impression here in this verse is that Jesus baptized. But John corrects this idea in chapter 4, verse 2, where he says, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples did. Jesus provided the authority, but the disciples performed the baptisms. And that's important. Now, in chapter 4, verse 3, Jesus left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. And on the way through Samaria, he met a woman at the well and talked to her about the kingdom of heaven. And verse 43 says that after two days, he departed from there. And in verses 46 to 54, he had another encounter with a nobleman, a royal officer whose son was sick, and he healed him. But take notice back in verse 44, where it says, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Now why did Jesus say that? In Luke chapter 4, 
beginning in verse 16, we see the story of Jesus teaching in a synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. In verses 18 and 19, he taught them from Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. By citing from Isaiah 61, Jesus was proclaiming to be a fulfillment of this prophecy. And he began to say to them in verse 21, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus proclaimed the fulfillment of God's plan and promise in himself, since he is the figure described in this passage. And all who were listening to him marveled at his teaching. And in verse 23, he said to them, You will surely quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Now this request for more signs was for Jesus to prove his claim by repeating the type of miraculous work he had done in Capernaum. And such requests for signs often contained a mocking song, song, tone. Can you read my own writing? And it's not writing, it's typing. <laughs> Oftentimes they mocked him. In, verses 20, in verse 24, Jesus made it clear that he is God's messenger who declares God's ways. However, Jesus also knew that a prophet, prophet is often rejected. And in verses 25 to 27, Jesus speaks of a period of widespread unfaithfulness to God in the days of Elijah and Elisha. And that's in 1 Kings 17 and 18 and 2 Kings 5, 1 to 14. And during this period, judgment came on the nation in the form of a famine. And the only people to receive healing at this time were the Gentiles. With such an illusion, Jesus warned his listeners not to be unfaithful like their ancestors by rejecting his message. <clears throat> and upon hearing this news, verses 28 and 29, the people took him to the edge of the cliff in town and attempted to throw him off and kill him. Verse 30 tells us that he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. And verse 31 tells us that after this he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. Now this is <clears throat> a lot of here, but it's a lot to take in, but it's there, it's in the Bible. This brings us to our text this morning. Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 to 25, contains three paragraphs. Verses 12 to 17, Jesus withdraws to Galilee. And verses 18 to 22, he chooses four disciples. And in verses 3 to 25, Jesus teaches, preaches, and heals. First paragraph. Verses 12 to 17. 
And when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. After Jesus had heard that John the Baptist had been imprisoned, which Matthew chapter 14 tells us took place because he confronted Herod's affair with his brother's wife, if you remember. Jesus returned to Nazareth. Now Matthew omits, omits the incident reported in Luke chapter 4, 4, verses 16 to 30, of Jesus' rejection in his hometown. <coughs> Matthew simply indicates that Jesus left Nazareth and that Capernaum, located on the northern end of the Sea of Galilee, became Jesus' home and base of operation. And Matthew goes on then to tell us about the Lord's early ministry in Galilee of the Gentiles. And this is so named because Galilee had a high population of Gentiles, more than Jews, and because the region was surrounded on three sides by foreigners. His appearance in Zebulun and Naphtali fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah 9, verses 1 and 2, which foretells the reign of the Messiah in the coming kingdom. The ministry of Jesus in Galilee was a preview of what was yet to come, that the people of Galilee would see a great light. Light stands for God's blessings, presence, and revelation. Matthew notes in verse 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. And what was his message? The same as John the Baptist. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. Matthew 3, verse 2. The gospel Jesus preached began at the same place that the gospel John preached began, with a call to repentance. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven was near because Jesus was near. Has come near. In fact, Jesus waited until John had been put in the prison, Matthew 4.12, and picked up where John left off. John announced the coming of the Messiah, and Jesus is the Messiah. And here we witness the kingdom of heaven coming vividly and boldly in the beginnings of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus is saying, God is working, and he is working through me. In closing this paragraph, Jesus was a light in the darkness. 
In Luke 19, verse 10, he said that he had come to seek and to save that which was lost. And in John 10, verse 10, I have come that people may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. In Luke 4, verse 43, he said, I have come to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. That's why I was sent. And Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 2, verse 21, that Jesus came to be an example for us, that we might follow in his steps. Not going too fast for you, but all right? So far, okay. Because of over and over and over, and then after a while, we But the Lord didn't let me do much on it this morning. He woke me up at 3.30 with the pain in my shoulders, so then I had to up and do that, and then I was up from anyway. And then I had to lay back down and go to sleep. And get up in time to come here. Amen. Anyway, we're here. It's all right. I'm all I'm fine. Second, he never gives you any more than what you can handle. So he says, I hold him on his word. This better not. So second paragraph, getting serious here. Verses 18 to 22, where he chooses four disciples. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and, his, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now in these verses, Matthew's calling involves only four disciples, two sets of brothers, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and James and John. Now, there are several callings of the disciples, and these take place over a period of time. In John 1, verses 35 to 42, which we saw is the initial calling. The calling that Matthew describes in these verses is a later one, perhaps associated with the calling in Luke 5, verses 1 to 11, where we read, and so it was, as the multitude pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, which is also known as the Sea of Galilee and the Sea of Tiberias, and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and that their net was breaking. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. 
When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knee, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, from now on you will catch men. And so when they had brought their boats to land, they forsake all and followed him. In Matthew's call, we read that Jesus came upon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and simply called out to them, and they left everything and followed him. Now these men were already acquainted with Jesus, as John points out in his gospel, which we read. It's possible that they had even spent a year or more with Jesus. They learned about him, they watched him, and then it appears that they went back to their professions. But after some time, Jesus came back to them and invited them to follow him. But Matthew, <coughs> excuse me, skips these details and wants to highlight that they literally dropped their nets to follow Jesus. It was a wholehearted and prompt time. So there's a message there. In addition to preaching the good news of the kingdom, we find in verses 18 to 22 that Jesus invested in others. He was a fisher of men. He invites others to do life with him. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And that's women too, by the way, and young people. Live with me and learn by watching me. Learn to follow me in what I love, what I preach, what I think. Become passionate for the things I love. Follow my example. From now on, you will catch men. Now Jesus makes a play on words based on their <coughs> occupation. He is pointing out that just as fishermen try to gather fish from the sea, his disciples too will be trying to gather together other individuals who, will, who are willing to follow Jesus. Now in closing this paragraph, the call to follow Jesus still stands today. He's waiting for our response. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? <clears throat> it means that we are to imitate him, his life. We are to be changed by him. He must make us fishers of others. And that means he will mold us and teach us and change us. Jesus wants you to know and to love him. He wants you to spend time with him through time in the word and time in prayer. He wants you to understand and learn of his life and his righteousness. He wants a relationship with you. His invitation is for you to join his mission to fish for people. You cannot be close to Jesus if you do not have a heart for what he has a heart for. 
Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. The third paragraph, verses 23 to 25, Jesus ministers in Galilee. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and suffering severe pain, those who were demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Here in this paragraph, Matthew gives a threefold summary of Jesus' ministry. He went around teaching, preaching, and healing. And this is the best, most concise summary of Christ's work in the Bible. Preaching, teaching, and healing. Jesus was a teacher. He taught the word of God in their synagogues. Jesus was a preacher. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. The whole story of his coming, ruling, and reigning. Jesus was a healer. His healing is illustrated by his many miracles. But these miracles are secondary to the preaching, secondary to his message. These are messianic miracles. Jesus was the promised Messiah. The difference between teaching and preaching is one of emphasis and manner, not of content. Large crowds followed him. Jesus had a purpose for allowing such dramatic miracles to attract large crowds. He wanted to teach them not simply impress them with his miracles. Well, to sum up, it is no accident that Matthew places the Sermon on the Mount at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, because Matthew emphasizes Jesus' teaching ministry. Chapter 4 prepares us to hear the Sermon on the Mount by emphasizing that Jesus has brought us into the light, verse 16, by calling us to repentance, verse 17, by telling us about the calling of his first disciples, in verses 18 to 22, and by giving Jesus' teaching ministry precedence over his preaching and healing ministries, verse 23. Now, just to be continued. Amen, brother. Amen. Next time, Lord willing, we'll get into the first of the summer. Right now. We'll spend the summer doing it, hopefully. Lord willing. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word this morning and for what we've learned here today. And we ask, Father, that you would apply it to our hearts and that we will look forward to what you have to teach us in the coming weeks. In your name we pray. Amen.